on the table current and critical information for massage therapists in practice a podcast presented by massage therapy canada hello everyone and welcome to on the table this is janan belbeck and i'm the editor of massage therapy canada Massage Therapy Canada is the nation's independent publication of record produced exclusively for massage therapists. I'd like to acknowledge today's sponsor, Masago. Masago is an RMT-first company offering greater independence, higher pay, and a safe experience. Using the Masago app on their smartphone, clients can get a massage in the comfort of their home or office. Proudly Canadian, Masago manages all aspects of the client relationship, as well as marketing to ensure they continue to be the RMT app of choice. RMTs can feel safe knowing that Masago clients are carefully vetted. If clients don't pass a strict ID verification process, they can't book an appointment. Masago pays their RMTs 80% commission on each appointment, and it can be a great supplement to clinical hours. Visit masago.ca slash RMT for more info. Our subject today, can massage therapists improve relations with the insurance industry? Uh, I'm joined today by Don Dillon, RMT and author of Charting Skills for Massage Therapists. Don is also a regular contributor to Massage Therapy Canada magazine. Thanks for being with us here today, Don. Hi, Janet, and as always, it's great to be with you. Uh, This is a very hot topic for massage therapists. How about we provide a little bit of background context before we bring on our special guest. For sure. So um, today we're going to be discussing um, Green Shield Canada, um, a not-for-profit benefits carrier. Uh, They offer dental, drug, and extended health benefits, um, as well as uh, healthcare spending accounts and other products. Green Shield prides itself in developing strategies, as they say, that plug the gaps they see in the Canadian healthcare system. And Janet, as you know, uh, there's been a lot of discussion amongst RMTs about Green Shield Canada recently on a blog post that they had generated for November 21st, 2018. It was entitled Elephants in the Waiting Room. And Green Shield Canada shared that the high cost of some of the pharmaceutical claims that their customers are submitting. They stated that hard choices would have to be uh, made and positioned a moral argument to their customers. Would you be willing to forego some of the services, such as massage therapy, so that Green Shield Canada could afford to reimburse customers for the drug claims? Green Shield maintains that massage therapy is indeed one of the most utilized services under the products they sell, yet they doubt its efficacy and importance. And this is from the blog, quote, sure, we all love a good massage, it's relaxing, it soothes our sore muscles, and sometimes, brackets, just sometimes, it's as good as a really good nap. But on the hierarchy of health needs, we're going to go out on a very well-researched limb and say that massages fall significantly below life-sustaining miracle drugs, unquote. And those were definitely um, a couple of sentences that RMTs uh, in Ontario had some serious issues with. Um, They also had a press release uh, that was for October 5th. So this was actually before the blog, blog post came out. It was entitled, We Spend More on Massage Than Mental Health Services, Time for a Change. Greenshield Canada, in this press release, uh, they were talking about their Smart Spend initiative and how they were proposing to drop massage therapy coverage as part of this initiative. 
They state, and I quote, massage, GSC's most popular and costly paramedical service, is removed as a core benefit in order to reinvest significant funds in the more serious health challenges noted above, and end quote. In a related podcast, Green Shield also stated it will be talking to the paramedical community to ensure services are geared to deliver value, better outcomes, and have evidence behind them. And Jana, we're very fortunate to have a guest today who can speak to these issues. Uh, Andrew LeWarn is the Executive Director and CEO of the Registered Massage Therapists Association of Ontario. That's the RMTAO. Uh, Andrew, we're uh, very uh, grateful to have you on the show today. Well, good morning, and thank you very much for having me on the show. Now, Andrew, we understand after these, uh, the blog post and the press release and the, an associated podcast that Green Shield Canada had released, you had a chance to meet with some of the representatives with Green Shield. Can you talk about the main concerns that you raised with these Green Shield representatives? Sure. We had uh, two main concerns. So the first concern, uh, first major concern, is that the article makes false comparison between massage therapy and biologic drugs. Um, in other words, they said a choice had to be made between massage therapy treatments and life-saving pharmaceutical drugs. Uh, the second issue, main issue that we had, is that uh, it portrays massage therapy as a useless luxury that ought to be eliminated from health benefit plans. So it claims that MT is minimally effective uh, as care, uh, in other words, on the same level as a nap. So let's start with the first point of comparing massage therapy to life-saving drugs. Clearly, this is a false comparison. The use of massage therapy benefits is not stopping anyone from accessing life-saving drugs. Now, we do know that drug costs are going up, and yes, massage therapy is a highly utilized paramedical benefit, but these two facts are not necessarily related, and it is not one or the other. So if we take a look at the 2018 Sanofi report, that's the report that's issued that talks about all of the insurance uh, in Canada, we can see that higher cost specialty drugs are not the main driver between the overall growth in drug costs. It's the growing number of claimants and more claims per claimant. So increased drug usage benefits by more people has accounted for 75% of the growth from 2012 to 2016 And this trend is just expected to continue. So clearly, massage therapy is not an alternative for life-saving drugs. We can't cure cancer or diseases of that kind of, uh, of that nature. So the implication that insurance is a zero-sum game, some treatments must be sacrificed in order to pay for others, is just quite frankly false. People who access massage therapy are not denying sick children their medication, as was implied in the uh, particular article. And in fact, many people both take expensive life-saving medication and use massage therapy to manage certain debilitating symptoms of their illnesses. So that's the first main piece that we brought to the table. The second, when they talked about massage therapy is just about as good as a nap, well, they trivialized massage therapy as a healthcare profession, saying that it's minimally effective and simply equivalent to taking a nap which is obviously incorrect and inaccurate. So this point has actually been updated in their article online, likely as an attempt to respond to the criticism. The amended version speaks to the marketing tools used by various institutions and individuals. So what that means is that 
when the amended version speaks to those, it's because Greenshield is concerned about the marketing practices of some RMTs. In other words, the fact that they are showing images that have what they call a spa-like piece to them. So as far as we're concerned, they're two separate issues. The first issue is marketing, and the second, the provision of healthcare. RMTs provide healthcare, period, regardless of where they work or how they market their practice. So Greenshield uses the phrase, very well researched, to back up the NAP claim. They also say in their podcast, Reimagining Health Benefits, that they have consulted with experts across the fields of their benefit providers. And by that word, expert, they mean academics that engage in research. Now, I've had the pleasure of meeting many of those massage therapy academics that engage in research, and not one has been consulted by Greenshield. So something that came out of the meeting is actually is that their research people will be talking to our research people so that we can provide the evidence they claim doesn't exist. So it was a successful meeting from that, from that perspective. Well, and as you uh, mentioned, they did alter their um, online uh, blog post in terms of the elephant in the waiting room. I notice now on the news feed is no longer featured. So, uh, so an example of how the professional association advocates for the interests of massage therapists. Are, you, uh, are there any other outcomes that you would like to see as a result of the meeting with Green Shield? Well, there's a, there are a few. Yes, there are. <clears throat> First of all, we should note that massage therapy is one of the highest used paramedical benefits. So, of course, that's going to be one of the first ones that comes under attack. And it is true that there is a lack of evidence supporting massage therapy relative to some other health profession. So we're an easy target. So I believe that they were attempting to generate a discussion about benefits utilization and how to ensure that Canadians get effective healthcare despite the rising healthcare costs. What is interesting to me is that when they talk about the lack of evidence supporting massage therapy relative to other health professions, they don't focus in on the fact that the RHPA is designed very specifically to have overlapping scopes of practice. And that provides for more choice for a citizen when they're engaging in accessing healthcare. So we overlap with uh, some of the other paramedic uh, providers, such as physiotherapists and chiropractors. So when they say, for example, that uh, physiotherapists fall uh, directly into the middle of their research evidence-based uh, provision of care, my response to that is that would include us. Uh, to which they fairly said, yes, okay, let's talk about that. So I would like to see a conversation across the insurance industry that speaks to the positive outcomes achieved by massage therapists every day. So I believe that this process has already begun with the positive response that I've gotten from academics in the massage therapy world about engaging with Greenshield. I'm very pleased about that. I'm hoping that this can lead to further appropriate research being conducted. Research that uh, Greenshield expressed an interest in the development of new massage therapy research and is considering potentially contributing to that funding. So I think that's uh, a major win uh, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Healthcare in Ontario. I'm sorry, Don. Sorry, I was just going to say that's fantastic news. Well, we'll have to see if it happens. True. Um, I'm very, uh, I'm, 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 uh, I want to be very clear that the word potential 
is used there. Um, there are no promises made in any of this, but at the very least, the discussion is beginning. So I think that's very good. And when we look at healthcare in Ontario, and from my perspective, I believe across Canada, it's moving much more in the direction of interprofessional collaborative teams, which means we all need to speak the same language to provide the best care for our patients. Now, if we don't take part in the process of discovering and delivering the metrics around the efficiency and efficacy of massage therapy, I believe we're gonna suffer for it. So at the end of the day, we already have a regulator in Ontario, and that's the CMTO. The insurance industry is not a regulator. Uh, very often they seem like they're trying to be a regulator. They're not. They are, and they should be, a partner in the delivery of care to the population of Ontario and Canada. So I would like to see us work as partners. And I'm hoping this meeting represents an important step forward in developing that partnership. So Andrew, as I mentioned, um, Green Shield uh, positions itself as plugging some of the gaps not by Ontario's health insurance plan, OHIP. Do you believe Green Shield's claims adjudicators will have sufficient healthcare knowledge uh, and perspective to decide whether a massage therapy claim is appropriate to care? Well, where appropriate, RMTs are able to provide insurers with treatment plans and notes, including the expected and or realized treatment outcomes. This will allow them to understand that through the resources provided, they can say this RMT has demonstrated through their compliance with the regulator, the CMTO, that they are delivering health care that is indicated and patient-centered. And therefore, the massage therapy claim is appropriate care. Um, we want to get away from the idea of an arbitrary, um, yes, we're going to approve, no, we're not going to approve. Um, and I do believe uh, in many cases that, that what everyone is looking for is the same language so that we can all speak to the same kind of credibility of delivery and intent. Um, so we need that to happen, which means that we need to be in discussion with the various players, the various stakeholders in this. Um, when we were down at Queen's Park, one of the really interesting points that was made by one of the speakers and uh, one of the MPPs that was speaking to us, um, uh, in particular, the, the lunchtime speaker, Franz Jelena, um, she pointed out that uh, OHIP uh, really is about acute care. That's what it's designed to deliver. It's designed to deliver what you're going to get in a hospital. So when we talk about moving outside of the hospital, we're now talking about all of the other pieces that are delivered to uh, the, uh, uh, the population of Ontario. Um, and we can probably extrapolate that across Canada. Um, so what that means is that we're not just talking about massage therapy, we're talking about all of the other paramedic benefits that are there. Um, and I think the insurance industry is attempting to cope uh, just as uh, the, the government uh, uh, are trying to cope with what's happening with healthcare right now. It's changing and we need to change with it. Andrew, you, you mentioned uh, stakeholders. Uh, we know that the RMTAO is a member of the Canadian Massage Therapist Alliance, along with the other sister massage therapy associations across Canada. And I understand the Alliance interacts regularly with the Canadian Life and Health Insurance Association, that's the CHLIA. Can you tell us, uh, we've been talking about Green Shield today, but what are some of the general concerns that uh, through the Alliance 
the massage therapy organizations are hearing from insurers regarding the massage therapy claims that are being made? Well, that can be, uh, that can be a very complicated answer. Um, I would prefer to say that it really can be summed up in two words. They're concerned about fraud and luxury. So fraud, that's something we're all familiar with. And there's any number of examples that I'm sure everyone uh, on the call and everybody listening can come up without even breaking a sweat. I think we do a pretty good job, both the association through education and the CMTO through enforcement, of keeping fraud prevention pretty much front and center as an ongoing concern. One of our main jobs with fraud is making sure that the insurance industry does not assume fraud at every turn. And in particular, many of our conversations with CLIA, I'm sorry, that's the acronym for the Canadian Life and Health Insurance Association, CLIA. Yeah. Um, uh, many of our conversations with CLIA, they focus both on recognizing common fraudulent practices and recognizing when a situation is not fraud. So I can use as an example, uh, there was a particular situation that, uh, that arose a few months back where there was concern around a particular healthcare practitioner who was the owner of a clinic and the potential that this particular individual was engaging in fraudulent behavior. At their clinic, two of the rooms were rented as a full rental lease agreement. So that was, there was no interaction in between the, the practices of the RMTs who rented the two rooms and this particular uh, uh, health practitioner who was the owner of the clinic. So the insurer uh, had a problem with the owner. And so they just naturally assumed that everybody else in the clinic was engaging in the same types of behavior that they were concerned about with this other individual. So we spent a great deal of time on the phone with the insurer saying, no, look, the, this is the contract they have. This is the lease they have. Their practices are not intertwined. So you may be looking at this one individual in terms of fraud. That has nothing to do with these two RMTs, both of whom have impeccable practices. And we were successful in that. So I was quite pleased about that. Um, the other piece is when we start talking about luxury, that's a really a different story. Um, it can be difficult to be able to define the difference between appropriate care and luxury. Um, in particular, when we talk about massage therapy, because the clear fact is that massage therapy by and large provides care that is seen as enjoyable by the patient. Not every time, but overall, it's seen as enjoyable by the patient. The question that needs to be asked is, does that make it any less effective? And my response is, no, it doesn't. However, massage that is provided that does not satisfy the standards of practice and does not take place within an evidence-based practice is very difficult to defend as anything other than luxury. So this is where we have the real uh, nitty-gritty issue is in and around the, uh, the concept of luxury. And when we go to uh, the CLIA conference later on uh, in 2019, I'm going to be doing a presentation uh, to the members of CLIA who are all insurers, and we're going to talk about that, um, just so that we make sure that everybody's on the same page in terms of how we define things. Fantastic. And I, I think you answered uh, the next question I was going to is, in terms of the Canadian Massage Therapist Alliance addressing our concerns, and I think you've given several examples, but Jan, and I think you have a question related to, the, uh, to CLIA as well. 
Yeah, so I've been listening to a few podcasts here with uh, Stephen Frank from CLIA, and mm-hmm. um, he, he, he speaks a lot about um, uh, National Pharmacare Plan and how there's too many areas to address um, in Pharmacare for Canada. So the first is access to medications, which you've mentioned, you know, there is evidence that some Canadians are struggling with affordability of prescription drugs. Um, the second piece is systemic costs. So with the continuing opioid crisis, are insurance companies kind of missing the mark regarding prescriptions and should be utilizing services like massage therapy to control pain without associated addiction issues? I mean, I just, from my perspective, it kind of seems to be an us versus them. I I mean, can't we just all get along prescriptions and manual therapy? Because as you mentioned, I think there is a place for both. Well, See, it's a really interesting question because it's actually a couple of different questions um, that are in there. So let's let's start at the beginning and, and, and move through them. So uh, as you probably already know, the federal government is looking into a national pharmacare program. It's being led at the moment by Dr. Eric Hoskins, the former Ontario health minister. So that is going to change this whole conversation depending on what is put forward and depending on which party is in government after the fall of 2019 federal election. So this is very much a moving target to start off with. Second of all, if you look at CLIA's own report from 2017, insurers paid out $34 billion for extended health coverage of which 11.3 billion was paid for drugs. That represents 31% of the money that was paid out for health coverage was paid for drugs. They expect that to rise to 40% by 2022. I don't think they have any interest in deliberately increasing drug usage if, if that is in any way what you're suggesting. The statistics actually show the increased usage is because of an aging population. The drugs that are being used, they don't necessarily have anything to do with issues that can be resolved by manual therapy. So I'm, I'm not sure that an accurate direct comparison can be made. It is important to understand that uh, as a part of the CMTA, um, I'm the secretary, so I'm part of the uh, management team for the CMTA, and I'm the representative at an organization called HEAL, which is the National Healthcare Lobbying Group uh, for all of the healthcare professions in Canada. Um, and they have a subcommittee which is specifically concerned with the opioid crisis and with looking at how we reduce the use of opioids um, for pain through uh, an increase in the use of uh, manual and other kinds of therapies. So I think what's really interesting is we, we need to make sure that we don't conflate a couple of issues, um, which is I may need to take specialty drugs for a particular condition. Because I have that condition, I may also have um, chronic unremitting pain or episodic pain, which may or may not have a further pharmaceutical drug prescribed to me by, uh, by my doctor. Um, in some cases, it's possible that 
uh, treatments like massage therapy could be very, very helpful for that. In fact, I talked about that with the head of the Central Lynn here in Ontario back in March, because they were very interested in trying to see if they could increase the use of manual therapies when dealing with chronic unremitting pain and episodic pain. So it's very much on the radar, but we have a couple of different issues here in that we do have pharmaceuticals that are being dispensed that need to be dispensed because you have a particular condition where it's required. There are other pharmaceuticals being dispensed for chronic pain uh, where there may be some other strategies that can be employed. But that other strategy needs to be employed not by the insurer. It needs to be employed by the other healthcare practitioners who prescribes the drug. So it becomes now a three, four, five, six-way conversation, um, which I think is, is really interesting. I think it's appropriate, and I think they need to be had. And so we're trying to do that, not only here in Ontario as the RMTAO, but as part of the CMTA, and as part of the CMTA, we're also having it as part of the HEAL organization, and we're having it with the federal government. So this is a, this is a very, very live conversation that's going on. Yes, lots of moving parts. Sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, as and in being a national publication, I've spoken with a few massage therapists um, across the country, and I've kind of heard there's a bit of uh, fear of massage being cut off from the industry, the insurance industry. Would you agree with this at all? Uh, why or why not? No, I'm uh, no, I'm going to be quite firm on that. I don't believe it to be true. Um, Massage therapy is the most highly utilized paramedic benefit after prescription uh, and dental. Um, we're in demand, and we wouldn't be in demand if we weren't effective. We just need to have some more objective studies to bolster the fair and reasonable arguments that we already have currently in play. Even Greenshield admitted that they have no plans whatsoever of removing massage therapy from their benefit packages. Um, when you take a look at the, at the studies that the insurance industry has done on itself, um, what they find consistently is that when they survey uh, the, the people who use extended healthcare benefits, the majority of them want to keep their regular and usual benefits. There's not, uh, the, the, I think the, the percentage was somewhere in the neighborhood of 55%, 58% responded with that. At uh, 25 or 30 percent responded that they had uh, no particular opinion, and a further 25 or 20 percent, whichever uh, amount is left, were concerned about unexpected events, which is where the specialty drugs would fall under. Um, so I, I'm I I don't believe that's going to happen. I think that uh, that we're we're here to stay with uh, extended healthcare benefits. So, Andrew, uh, Greenshield Canada, in addition to the press release and the blog post that we had talked about, uh, Greenshield Canada has a podcast, and it's called uh, And Now for Something Completely Indifferent. Uh, this is related to Episode 12, which was discussing the reimagining health benefits. Now, it, it, uh, Greenshield states that it maintains that health benefits should be geared to services that deliver value, better outcomes, and that have evidence base behind them. It sounds like Greenshield is trying to consider how to deal with some of these costs when they present this idea in the podcast that they plan to move to a spending account model called smart spend. 
Now, how this would work is they would consider removing massage therapy services from this product, although they mentioned that massage therapy services may still be available in other Green Shield products that might be as an add-on. Green Shield Canada maintains massage provides, quote, short-term pain relief, but not long-lasting effects. And people should look to other ways of reducing pain short-term, such as a yoga class, a walk, or as we've become familiar with now in this podcast, a nap. Uh, Green Shield Canada admits that uh, there is value in massage, and, they, and, and quite frankly, the podcast I found was much more cogent and much less inflammatory than the press release or the blog blog post that was released. It, it seemed to be a much better conversation. And they said that there is value in massage and there needs, uh, use, utilization of massage needs to be compared to the opportunity cost of doing other interventions. They also mentioned that, uh, and then back to what you had mentioned about the government relations, the uh, idea that OHIP should pay only for acute care. They made very clear on the podcast that this idea that continuing adding on of services and increasing of customer expectations uh, is really not sustainable. And when they look in other jurisdictions, they find that a lot of these services are above and beyond that acute care. So a uh, two-part question. Can you give us a sense of how massage therapists, through their day-to-day -day operations, may be contributing to the problems that we're having with relations with insurers? And what would you suggest that massage therapists can do at their day-to-day -day operations to address and remediate some of these problems? So, okay, this is, um, those are quite large questions. Um, so let's start off with the fact that I would, I'm not sure that I would put the onus on individual RMTs uh, as much as people seem to be doing. Um, I do believe that we have an image problem. The image that we have is murky. So we firmly state that we are healthcare and then the marketing tools that some RMTs and some owners, many of them very high profile, display a luxury retreat or option that's you know, targeted to high-end users. That's confusing. And I don't think anyone should be surprised when we're called out for that confusion. Now, some of this is historical, as uh, this is the way that massage therapy advertising has been done for decades. And some of it can be put down to the availability and popularity of certain images. And some of it can also be due to third parties being involved in massage therapy advertising. I am seeing a bit of a shift with more healthcare-focused images gaining popularity in advertising. And I hope that shift continues because that's going to change the image. When you listen to that particular podcast uh, that was brought up, uh, and even in the article, uh, they talk about uh, Google massage therapy in any given city in Canada. And the first thing that comes up are images of, uh, you know, uh, a luxury treatment of people with their heads turned to the side, with their head on their arms, with a very large flower behind their ear. We've all seen those images. So I do think that when we start taking a look at RMTs and marketing, I think we want to start taking a look at the image that we portray publicly. So when you ask what can massage the massage therapy profession do to address the concerns, we need to, I think, state right off the bat that a large percentage of RMTs 
address those concerns on a daily basis through their professional and evidence-based expert practices. So what we do need to do is use the public platform to educate on what massage therapy is and what it can be for anyone seeking relief for a particular condition or symptom. Now, as the RMTAO, we've been providing resources for membership through our social media posts over the last couple of years specifically for that reason. Massage therapy is healthcare, and RMTs need to make sure that everything they do promotes and represents massage therapy as healthcare. Um, I don't think we can ever lose sight of the fact that massage therapy is an expert application of specialized knowledge. We can never lose sight of that, and we can never allow our patients to lose sight of that either. And Don, when you started the, the, the preamble to the questions, um, one of the things that was brought up are the different models that Green Shield is considering looking at, the different uh, delivery models. Yeah. We had a discussion around that as part of the meeting um, that, uh, that we engaged in. Um, and I brought up a couple of things that I thought might be really interesting for them to be aware of, one in particular, which I'll, I'll use now. Um, I don't want to take up too much time with all of this, but no, there's uh, Dr. Samir Sinha, who's the director of geriatrics uh, at the Sinai Health System. Um, and he brings up the fact that if you take a look at any large company, up to 30% of their employees are caregivers at this point. And if they're female between the ages of 32 uh, or 30 and 42, and, and sorry, Andy, they're caregivers on both ends. So right, they have caregivers. You mean caregiving for a family member? Yes, caregiver. Not, well, not, family. Not professional, not professional caregivers, but caregivers no, of a family no. member. Right. Caregivers okay. not only for family members, but it may be for neighbors. Um, it may be for other friends. Uh, at this point, uh, they're they're they are no longer distinguishing just family members. Okay. Um, so you're and the females are from both ends. They're looking at you know in a lot of cases aging parents and children, for example. So 30% of, of any given corporate workforce are caregivers, which means that they not only have their work that they need to attend to eight, nine hours a day, plus the commute, but as soon as they get home, they're now engaged in work of a different sort, which is caregiving. And they're engaged in that before they leave for work in the morning. And often they have to take time off. And so you're looking at people, you know, at, at uh, companies and corporations that are uh, losing um, effectiveness within their workforce because of people being caregivers and the level of burnout is incredibly high. Sure. So the Toronto Rehab Hospital is looking at this very, very seriously. And so when I talked to Greenshield, I asked them, are they looking at innovative products where they might think about putting together as a potential bundle for a member of a workforce to purchase, a caregiver bundle, and what would that look like? Start thinking about innovative solutions to what is coming down the pipe, not what's here now. And we all need to be doing that. And we spoke about this uh, when we were at uh, Queen's Park, speaking to the MPPs, we, you know, we were saying, we need to look at what's coming, not what's here now because it's what's coming that's gonna cost us so much and it's only gonna build for the next 25, 30 years. Yeah. 
So we had a, a, a quite a good conversation around that. Um, and manual therapy is a big part of that solution. So I really don't think that massage therapy is going anywhere when it comes uh, to uh, employee benefits or the number of employees that are going to want to benefit from having massage therapy. I don't think it's going anywhere. Does that answer your question? It does, and maybe I could um, maybe I can add a little bit of a uh, an additional point that you brought up, and I, I think it's excellent. It sounds like what you're describing goes beyond perhaps what many massage therapists think as the outcomes of range of motion or muscle length and strength. It sounds like you're talking about considering how people are affected in the community health, public health setting. Uh, there are caregivers, they're suffering from anxiety or mood disorders or exhaustion. So it sounds like you're talking much more than simply massage therapy has a role to play, massage therapists have a role to play, more than just the mechanical effects of massage, but we really have something to offer the community on a, on a public, on a level of public health. Yeah, and I mean, there are so many pieces now that are supporting that argument. Um, let's be really clear though, from my perspective, I don't think we're ever going to be covered by a provincial health plan. Yeah. I just don't think that's in the cards because I don't think the, the public money is available to do that, unless they want to increase taxes substantially. And there hasn't been a government yet that has ever run on increasing taxes. So I'm not entirely sure that's actually uh, in the cards. I want to read you something that I was looking at yesterday. This comes out of Denmark, and it has to do with something called the GLAD back protocol. And the, so what they're looking at, um, they currently have something that is called the uh, GLAD OA protocol, which is now in Ontario in the rapid access clinics. And that has to do with osteoarthritis of the knee, hip, and low back. And they've developed a second one, which is the GLAD back, which is talking about back pain. But here's an interesting point here. The traditional biomedical approach to healthcare implies that a pathoanatomical or pathophysiological diagnosis needs to be established to guide the choice of treatment. In many non-communicable conditions, such as musculoskeletal disorders and back pain, however, this model is not very useful. In approximately 90% of back pain cases, a specific structural pain generator cannot be identified, and thus, a structural diagnosis cannot guide treatment decisions. This is coming from gold standard research. So when we have that in front of us, and we turn around and we look at someone like a caregiver, or we look at something like burnout, or we look at the effects of stress within the workplace, et cetera, et cetera. We need to start looking at how this actually fits. It doesn't have to fit within an old model. We need a new model because it's being presented that way and we're finding it's effective when we look at it this way. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so Andrew, uh, mm -hmm. with regards to um, inflammatory stories, similar to what Greenshield had originally published and talked about, um, do you have advice for massage therapists regarding advocating for the profession when they come across stories like these? 
Because I know sometimes there's concern that sharing stories via social media is kind of like stoking the fire and it may actually be better for them to ignore it so they aren't quote unquote helping the company garner views, clicks and reactions. Uh, what's your reaction to that? Well, you're very much in a damned if you do, damned if you don't scenario. Right. Um, my personal opinion is that these kind of inflammatory responses or stories need to be responded to and they need to be responded to very strongly and appropriately, which is what we've done. So I think that RMTs should speak to their patients about these issues and not shy away from those conversations. If an individual or organization says it wants to create discussion, then I say, let's give it to them, but on our terms, not theirs. If they make a false comparison, we need to call them out on that. If they maintain there is not enough evidence, let's call them out on that and bring in our experts to dispute their experts. If noise and attention is what they want, let's bring our own noise and attention to the table. So when we talk about doing that, an individual RMT advocates for their profession by the way that they run their practice and by the way that they interact with their patient base. They need to be speaking strongly about what it is that they do, why they do it, why it's effective, and, and, and the patient needs to understand what it is that's going on. Patient communication is very possibly the best advocacy for the profession that I can think of. What the RMTAO is gonna be doing, we're gonna be meeting Green Shield at the table with our own experts to discuss these issues with their experts. I'm looking forward to it, frankly. We've done this before, and we'll continue to do it in the future. And I, I think really we need to remember that the idea is not to shut down discussion. So it's not helpful to turn around and say, don't say that, don't say anything, don't ever post. You know, but in saying that to, to an insurer, because that's number one, it's just not gonna happen. And number two, you're shutting down the discussion. You don't wanna do that. You wanna open up the discussion and that way you move the profession forward. So for example, I fully expect that we will come away from these meetings having a much better idea of how to more positively interact with the people who set policy within the insurance company and leaving them much more confident in the profession's authenticity and credibility. So as I said, I'm actually looking forward to these discussions. We need to open them up. We need to have the discussions, they need to be public and we need to walk the walk, frankly. Very important point. Well, Andrew, we've really enjoyed having you on the show today to give us an inside view on this very contentious issue. We've got a few minutes left. We want to give them all to you. Can you tell us, is there anything about the RMTAO you would like our listeners to know in terms of how you advocate for their interests in Ontario? Well, I would like them to know that we, we kind of work tirelessly advocating for the profession of massage therapy. Um, We've had a very successful year engaging in discussions and consultations with the insurance industry, with government, with other stakeholders such as Spinal Cord Ontario, MS Canada, and Long-Term Care Ontario. We also took really important and very significant uh, steps this year by hosting our first lobby day at Queen's Park, where we got to speak with over 40 MPPs about the issues and concerns facing the massage therapy profession. I think it's important to remember that advocacy for the profession is not about winning. It's about providing information, education, and persuasion. 
It's about building mutually beneficial relationships and being part of important high-level discussions. We do a huge amount here at the RMTAO with relatively few resources, both here in Ontario and throughout Canada through the membership in the CMTA. And I do think it's important to acknowledge organizations like Massage Therapy, uh, the Massage Therapy Association of Alberta, uh, Saskatchewan MTAS of Manitoba, MTAM of Nova Scotia, MTANS, you know, of the Massage Therapy uh, Association in Northwest Territories, PEI, um, those places that are unregulated, those associations are working round the clock because they not only are advocating for the profession, but they're also having to act as a quasi-regulator. So they're working extraordinarily hard as well. And altogether, the CMTA and the RMTAO, um, we have a pretty bright future that's coming up. So I think people should uh, help us out with that. I think you should become a part of the RMTAO and be a part of advocating for the profession. Amazing. Um, Andrew, I have to say my neck now hurts from nodding yes at all of your responses. <laughs> it, was, it was a fantastic, uh, it was so fantastic to speak with you um, around this very important issue, something that's garnered a lot of talk in the industry in the last uh, couple of months. Um, so I do just want to thank you for your time. Um, thank you to Don as well for uh, facilitating the conversation. Thank you, um, I will just invite all RMTs listening to keep this conversation going. Be sure to leave a comment on this podcast page or share and comment via one of our social media channels. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Uh, all you need to do is search Massage Therapy Canada. As well, be sure you're signed up for our once-weekly e-newsletter so you're always informed when we drop a new podcast episode. You can visit massagetherapycanada.com to subscribe. On the webpage below, you'll also find a list of clickable resources and references about what we've discussed today, so you have a chance to per peruse all of Green Shield Canada's posts, um, as I mentioned, as well as some resources that we can provide you. So thanks again, and we'll talk again soon. Thanks very much, folks. It was really enjoyable. On the Table current and critical information for massage therapists in practice, a podcast presented by Massage Therapy Canada.